I'm Courtney. I'm Allison. I'm Courtney and Allison. And this is the Double X Files, a podcast that is sometimes about the X Files. Today, Allison, it's about world history. Yay! I teach world history. You do? Yeah. Did you know we only had two and a half wars? What? Yeah. And the rest of the time, everything was just chill as fuck? Mm, we were just so happy and loving each other. Great. Love it. Wonderful. Do you want me to name the two, the two and a half wars? Uh, world War One. Uh-huh. Uh, World War Two. Uh-huh. And, uh-oh. What? I, 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 I can't. Allison, I can't do it. I can't do it. There were so many wars, Allison. Yeah, there were a lot of wars. Allison, the world is so bad. You couldn't even do the bit because the world's so bad. It's so bad. And, like, besides wars, there's just, like, a lot of real bad, you know, there's, like, little covert wars of yeah. just, like, the everyday difficulty that marginalized people go through. It's real bad. It's pretty bad out there. Teaching history is real, really bad and sad, and sometimes it makes me feel sad, but it's a good job to do, I think. You know what else is bad? Living through history. You know what else is bad? The X-Files. Oh, God, it's so bad. (laughs) Yeah, we watched this episode, uh, season six, episode three? Triangle. Triangle. Oh, episode three triangle i don't know if there's anything to that three sides okay Uh? that's why episode four is called square (laughs) yep and episode five is set at the pentagon i can't wait to have episode 20 and you know what episode six is about what sex (laughs) isn't that hex no oh okay sorry i'll yes and you (laughs) Um, this episode was about history and time travel and dreams and Wizard of Oz. Uh-huh. And um, I read a lot of stuff about how this one was, a lot of people really liked it and it was critically acclaimed and a lot of people said how this should have been a whole movie. And we say nay, sir. Nay, says the podcasters in their bed. <laughs> All snuggled up. Nay. Nay, say we. <laughs> On our high castle. <laughs> Atop the hill. Um, why don't you do the Netflix description and we'll get right into it. Okay. Episode season three. <laughs> <laughs> season six. Okay, get a clean you gotta get a clean one, dude. Season six, episode three. Mulder races to a luxury passenger liner, which has mysteriously appeared on the edge of the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, one more again, please. <laughs> Allison. Mulder races to a luxury passenger liner, which has mysteriously appeared on the edge of the Bermuda Triangle. Is that it? Once there, <laughs> he realizes he's traveled back in time to September 3rd, 1939, the outbreak of World War II. <gasps> German soldiers aborted the ship in search of Thor's hammer, something that could ensure victory in the coming conflict. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's, I, yeah, that's good. I forgot Nazis were really into, like, Thor and shit. 
Well, here's now here's a funny thing because the, the Thor's hammer is actually a code name from the American government, ostensibly. Oh, um, but it's not no. because they made it up for the show. Yeah, because they thought the real name was too boring. Because <laughs> the real name was the Department of Substitute Materials. Because that's like I don't know, fucking covert. <laughs> Not like, hey, let's just, you know, we got this secret thing. It's called fucking Thor's hammer. Don't worry. No one's going to want to try to steal that. <laughs> sounds cool as fuck, it though. sounds cool as fuck. Nobody's going to even be interested. <laughs> Allison, let's, let's rein it back a little. We got to talk about this first destroyed boat. The boat. The boat. The boat. Her name is Lady Garland. Uh-huh. God, I don't know why that would be. Does that mean Mulder is a friend of Dorothy? I mean, we know he is. <laughs> um, and Mulder, the, this 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 slow is a slow burn. It's like Jaws vision, yeah, where you have a little fish, a little shark, and he's looking down. He's like, "What's this? It's a wreckage. I better help out. I know CPR." And he looks, and Mulder is d- dead. Yeah, dying. thank goodness. God, episode over. That's the end of the show. We're done. Bye. No. God damn it. I guess what is weird with this is you start with that, and it's not like... Do, do producers really think by opening up with a character who looks like they're deceased, the the audience knows they're not deceased. Yeah. I mean, unless you're Game of Thrones, which does that anybody count. is just... Fucking everybody. <laughs> That's true. The dragons? I. The dragons, they fuck? Yeah, they fuck. Okay. I just. There's no suspense no. for me. No, no, no. I. Uh, anyway. Um, the next thing we get. I will say this. The, now, this first scene, this cold open. I <laughs> get yeah. it because he's in the water and water's cold. Um, well, that's only in the Pacific Northwest. I'm pretty sure that was Bermuda Triangle water, and it's probably pretty nice. <laughs> right? Yeah, I guess so. Mmm, tropical. Yeah, the music in this shot, a little goofy. It's just got a little underline of goof to it. Just Does a it? little, just a little. Mark Snow is like, wonk, wonk. Just a little touch of goof. Ooh. So I knew right away I that wasn't going to like was it. <laughs> That something was up? Yeah. We go... Adding on to the little goof. Uh Uh-huh. The next shot after the do-do-do-do-do-do's is a very dark. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's Mulder on a ship with the cast of the Muppet Christmas Carol rejects. Oh, my God, yes. Because their accents were very bad. Uh Uh-huh. I don't understand... Why this was a choice? They were supposed to be British, but they went like cartoony Cockney. Yeah, they were like just from all over the aisles. It was like you throw a stone and you hit an accent, basically. Pretty much, it was really bad. And these little buff, tough McRuff stuffs—they are <laughs> throwing around Mulder. They're like, "You a spy, boy? You a spy?" And Mulder's like, "No, I'm FBI." And then they're like, "That doesn't exist yet." Why don't you do your accent? Me? Yeah, you. You should do a Cockney accent. Hello, governor. <laughs> the FBI don't exist yet. They don't, don't exist. You want some pudding? <laughs> we like 
put in, but it's when we say it, we mean something different than you. We don't mean the wet stuff. Not the old wet stuff, governor. <laughs> we like layers in our pudding. <laughs> pudding can be anything. <laughs> How about a biscuit? That's a cookie to you, Yanks. A cup of tea? That was how bad this was. Yeah, it was really bad. It was really distracting. And also the lighting was really bad, too. Yeah. Just incredibly dark. And I don't know. They they filmed on a ship. Um, and I don't know if they couldn't get the right type of lighting in there or mm-hmm. that's what they were going for. But a lot of the scenes, especially inside, you couldn't see actually what was happening. No. Which meant I couldn't see the action. But I also couldn't see Mulder, which was okay. That's a boon. Um. But I also couldn't see Mulder getting beat up. Yeah, he got beat up a lot. Like, they pulled him on board. They just started punching him. I'm like, gosh, World War II was fun, huh? <laughs> what a fun time everyone was having. What a good fun time. You know, we had the Great War and the Fun War. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the Cold War then? Cold? Chilly. Chill. Chill. <laughs> Wait, the great war, the greatest war, the fun war, and the chewy war. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Done. It's chewy. History 101. (laughs) Know your three wars. Because that's all there was. That's all there was. Um, so they think Mulder is a German spy. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, uh oh, something's happening with the time space continuum. Mm hmm. Because time is a flat circle. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> and Mulder, he's amazed and he is saying that the boat is in 1998. Well, because he knows everything. Like, right off the bat in this episode, Mulder knows everything. He knows exactly what's happened and, of course, he's right. So what... <laughs> I know. Hey, Allison, we should expect this by now. Well, it's very frustrating. What is... What is what is the, the, the theory, the hypothesis that so, is correct that comes out of Mulder's He's mouth. saying that they're in the Bermuda Triangle. Uh-huh. And um, they... I didn't really listen. <laughs> Allison, you had one job. <laughs> no, he's saying so that they... There's a rip in the time-space continuum and their, their boat appeared in 1998. Yes. He got on. Yes. And then they started sailing away from the triangle and they left 1998 and they went back to 1939. Uh-oh. Oops. Now he's stuck there. Now he's stuck there forever. But that's okay because what a good fun time he's having. He's a white American man. Well, he's not having a fun time because he's getting beat it up, Allison. Eh, he deserves it. Yeah, that's true. So there is no talk... I. Maybe in the Scully part there and the Gerblin part, there is talk about, like, why Mulder was there in the first place. Oh, because he just, like, thought it would be neat to go to the Bermuda Triangle because he thought that that ship was going to appear. And then it did. Or rather, like, he knew that ship was going to appear and then it did and then he got on it and then he told everyone exactly what was happening because he knew exactly what was happening because he always knows exactly what's happening. But it was a dream, so he didn't do it? No, it was just, like, him jerking off somewhere. Oh, boy. Now, while the British people, uh, the various British Isle people, <laughs> are beating up Mulder, Mulder is trying to tell them that there is no war because they're really in 1998. Yeah, and he's like, it's 1998. The world is at peace. Right? He, yeah, the world super at peace in 1998. I mean, there was only, what, the Kosovo War? <laughs> the Second Congo War? 
had 5.4 million deaths. Oh. Um, a month after this episode aired, the U.S. bombed Iraq. Uh, the Nepalese Civil War had just started. And uh, the Ethiopian-Eritrean War started in 1998. It just ended this year. Um, oh, shit. How many genocides were in there about? Um, At least two, correct? I think two Kosovo. official genocides, Kosovo and the Second Congo War. Hey, cool. But hey, the Americans were at peace. Well, and like he, like he could have, he could have said America is at peace. But I mean, it wouldn't have helped but, the Brits. But also, America was at peace. But then they started bombing Iraq. And so. also, like peace is such a fucking nebulous word. Like, can you be at peace under capitalism? No, no. <laughs> that's a deep. Hey, that's a deep dive though. <laughs> that's a hot take. That's a hot take. Chris Carter was not prepared to uh, but, but, deal with. But also. He also makes a Bill Clinton joke. Yeah, he he says, uh, there's some trouble in our White House, but that'll blow over. Get it? Slide whistle. I don't get it. You know how it sounds funny when you do a slide whistle after you make a joke and it sounds, it's a funny sound and it says, hey, I've made a goof. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> but no, he's talking about the, uh, the fellatio that, that, um, the fellatio, that occurred. The fellatio. Um, can I make a historical, like, comment? Would love it. People know that Bill Clinton didn't get impeached because he got a blowjob, right? I sure as fuck hope so. Okay. No, he did. He got impeached because obstruction of justice. No, I'm saying I sure as fuck oh, people know that. No, people think that it was because of his affair. That's what I saw. When I see Facebook posts of, like, I don't know why we impeached for Bill Clinton for getting a blowjob, but we don't impeach the current president because blah 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 like he didn't he didn't get impeached because he got a blowjob you guys people got impeached every time they got a blowjob we'd have a lot of problems we'd have no precedents none we'd have and you know what that might be better We'd have no presidents. All so many presidential blowjobs, you guys. They're just they're, they're getting sucked off left and right. Why do you think Taft got stuck in the bathtub? <laughs> <laughs> eh? Eh? Anyway. God. Anyway, so my 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 historical news for you guys: go look into your impeachments. It only has happened twice, and both of those were because of obstruction of justice issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, presidents doing what they were not supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Blowjobs. Blowjobs is part of the job, apparently. Blowjobs just happen all the time. <laughs> Behind every desk, there is a blowjob. <laughs> okay, Queen Anne. Queen Anne. This ship is a queen. Is a Queen it's Anne queen. ship. In. Which is actually, it was a real ship. I had to look that up. Yeah. And it did get bloated up mm. by torpedoes. Dang. Um, 1939. So, uh-oh, they're right at the beginning of the war. And this ship just got boarded by Nazis. I, I have a problem with that, too. Mm-hmm. Nazis wouldn't fucking board ships. They just In the Bermuda them. Triangle. <laughs> it doesn't make any goddamn sense. It doesn't. Wait a minute. Hold on. I didn't even think about that. 1939, they wouldn't be... Uh, if they were that close, they'd be in wolf packs. They'd be in U-boats. I don't think they'd be boarding ships. No. Can I tell you one thing I really didn't understand about this episode? Yeah. When they pull Mulder out of the water, he's like... He gives them, like, the exact latitude and longitude of where they are. He's like, we're in the Bermuda Triangle. They're like, how would you know that? You were in the water. <laughs> what? 
Like, being in the water prevents you from knowing your location. It washes away all knowledge of where you are. It doesn't make any the, sense. The fresh, the fresh salt water. Just goes right through one ear and out the other. Suddenly you don't know where to fuck you are. Those Brits, man. They Wild. still know how to party. Anyway, the Nazis are here. They're not queer. <laughs> They are not loving it. We're not. They're not loving it. Um, so the Nazis come and they are. Do they think Mulder is this? Like, why do they keep beating up Mulder? I don't well, the understand. First time, okay. So they, the, the, Brits, the British get they get him because he's a spy. Which they think he's German is understandable. Mm-hmm. And they beat him up, yeah. and then they leave him alone. Yeah, because the Germans are coming. Yeah, and then and they also keep saying they keep calling him a Jerry. Oh Lord, a what? A Jerry. A Jerry which was the sort of derogative term that Amer- British soldiers used for Germans. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but it's just like it's not it's not well done. Oh no. Um, and then they <laughs> no, my name is not Jerry. It's Mulder. He does say that. Does he? Yeah. Um, I made a very bad joke that Chris Carter made in his own. Uh-huh. Oh no. Uh, so he they leave him alone. He listens to the radio, and the radio says, "Actually, it is 1939, idiot." And he's like, "Ah, oh, darn." And then who should come in but a Nazi? Who is this Nazi? It's Jeff Jeffy Spender. I didn't know that because. It, it was, was too, dark. too dark. Well, it was Jeffy Spender, and Mulder's like, what? And then he beat him up, and he took his uniform. If you you think that Mulder has such a good way of, like, guessing what is happening, that when he sees Jeffy Spender, does he think, like, this is Jeffy Spender's great-great-granduncle, who was an actual Nazi, and I'm... Does he actually think he's time-traveling when he sees Spender and Scully and Skinner No, I think and... that's when he realizes that he's in his own wet dream. Does he, though? No. No. <laughs> I have no fucking clue. If his wet dream has Nazis in it, I don't know what to tell you, bro. Brother. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the cinematogs of this episode? Um... Well, yes, I do want to talk about how, first, that when Mulder beats up Jeffy, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, God, is Mulder going to, like, walk around in a Nazi uniform? Yes. And he does. I... I mean, he was a Confederate soldier in a past life. Yeah, but wasn't he also, like, his... He was also in, like, The Night of Broken oh, Glass? yes, he was in a past life! <laughs> You forgot about that? <laughs> he was in the yeah. No, this I'm... show is playing Calvin Ball. <laughs> okay, let's let's name the number of things that Mulder was and is. Yeah. Number one, a Confederate soldier uh-huh. hated black people. Yeah. And also hated freedom. <laughs> number two, uh Jewish woman. I think he was a Jewish woman, yeah. During the Night of Broken Glass. Uh-huh. Who had his, his her daughter taken away. Uh-huh. So, okay, cool. Cool. And I'm sure Mulder came to terms with that by putting on a literal Nazi uniform. Wow. Now, one would say, hey, Juan would say, oh, well, he's got to escape and he's got to hide. But 
as soon as he goes outside in this Nazi uniform, it's not a great disguise. No. Because everyone is running after him anyway. Uh Uh-huh. There's not, like, five minutes that goes by that, like, he's sneaking past people and the the uniform is valuable to his survival. Because as soon as he sees anyone else, he just runs away from them and they're like, (laughs) oh, that guy's a narc. So that means he just, he didn't put on the Nazi uniform to hide. He just put on a Nazi uniform. Uh Uh-huh. No. Mm-hmm. Think about your past lives. Not not the Confederate one. Well, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Said, you might want to look at the patterns. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, so that was that. Yeah, Mulder puts on the Nazi uniform. Why? I don't know. It's not for sneaking <laughs> really around. really doesn't make a lot of sense. Because he just runs away from the Nazis, and there's a fucking Benny Hill, like, oh, dur- 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 dur. It's, a, it's a good ten minutes of them, like, these poor... Well, yeah, because here's the thing. This whole episode is ostensibly shot in these single takes, the same way that Buffy did with the body, if you yeah. remember that episode, which was really well done. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's um, right. So it's supposed to be four sections, each one one long single take. Obviously, they did some tricksy editing so that they could, you know, kind of yeah. cut around that. I, I was looking for the, where the cuts were. <laughs> um, but what this ends up doing is just transmitting a lot of unnecessary visual information <laughs> um it was very there's a oh, i forget which hitchcock movie does the very it's very very yeah very similar and they it. actually used that as a selling point for when they were trying yeah. to get this episode made okay let's go to the scully shot okay so scully gets informed by the gerblins that Mulder d- did a bad mm-hmm. that he in the bermuda triangle and he's trying to find a ship. Uh-huh. And the evidence they have is an empty radar, sonar, radar clipping. Uh-huh. So they say that the evidence is because there is no ship that Mulder's in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be wacky, but... It's really supposed to be wacky because Scully's just going in and out of elevators. Now, the first thing she does is she goes and talks to Skinner. Yeah. And Skinner's like, he can't help you. Oh, can we talk about the Skinner moment? Please. Oh, dirty. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry. There is a lot of door play. There's a lot of door play. And you know how I feel you about my, my door play. Because she, like, she busts into his office. Yes. She's like, I need to talk to you. He's like, I'm not supposed to talk to you. And the, the uh, secretary is like, oh, she just wandered in. I don't know what to do. And then Skelly slams the door shut on the secretary. A swing. <laughs> Now, there's some dialogue that they have that I need you to, to explain to me, because okay. I don't understand it. Okay. So, um, Skinner's saying, no, I won't do, do this thing for you. You're shit out of luck. And he says, yeah. use your head, Skelly. It will save your ass. Okay, I understand that. Okay. And then Skelly says, save your own ass, sir. It will save your head along with it. What does that mean? It's because his head's up his ass. Oh. It's a joke. Oh. <laughs> God, I didn't get that at all. No? Oh. Well, I genuinely didn't get that joke. Well, I just, I mean, Skinner's head is up someone's ass. All the time. All the time. Consensually. Uh-huh. But talk about the other door slam. What's the other door slam? <laughs> Scully opens the door and and Skinner just straight arms that door. Yeah! And keeps his hand right there, and it's just like his biceps are just like rippling, and he's like something, something ass. 
<laughs> I didn't know what he said, but it was good door work. It was extremely good door work. Um, so I want to back up a little bit, yeah. though. The Gerblins give her evidence, uh-huh. which is an empty picture. Yeah. And Mulder, I don't know, not being in contact. Like, she, I don't know if she knew that Mulder was there. I guess she probably did. Yeah. That Mulder's in trouble. The panic that she goes through, a logical person would not go through, like Scully. Yeah, it was very strange, wasn't it? It was very out of character. And I think the the long shot kind of played into that panic where she goes through three steps and then tries to call Mulder, which is a little weird, too. Yeah. You would think step one would be calling Mulder. But going to Skinner with this big issue, it just seems like there are many other more grounded steps that she could have gone. It was just a really big leap, I guess. Yeah, well, and I mean, also, this is an episode where everything is so sensationalized. Yes, it was. Um, So is this part of Mulder's dream? I think... I feel like it might be, because so much happens in it. I mean, that that does not seem like something that would happen in reality, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, especially, like, the interaction that she has with Jeffrey, with Jeffy Spender. That's right. Where so, she's... So she goes down to the, the basement. Yeah. And uh, only Jeffy's there, not Diane. No, no Diane. Because I don't think we're ever going to see Diane No, I think again. Diane's gone for good. Um, and she says, she really, like manhandles Jeffy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to kill you. That's what comes out of her mouth. Yeah, she says, don't weasel me. He'll weasel you. <laughs> oh, he'll weasel you. But it just seems so out of character for Scully, like, Mulder, just to, like, strong arm this guy. And saying, I'll kill you to, like, a co-worker. You're gonna have some HR conversations, my dude. Oh, she's about to have a lot of HR conversations. But... It must be part... I guess the explanation is it must be part of Mulder's dream because some of the stuff that come out of Scully's mouth isn't very on character for Scully, and it just seems like wackadoodle. Like, it just seems like... Yeah. She full-on kisses Skinner on the mouth. (laughs) I forgot about that. Skinner... Skinner is trying to reach her, and she's trying to reach him, and he gets in the elevator, and he says, I got you that information even though I said I wouldn't, and she full-on kisses him on the mouth she kissed her dad square on the lips <laughs> that is so un- there's no way that would happen if they w- this wasn't Mulder's fucking wet dream like it must have been yeah it just doesn't make any sense I mean bisexual Skinner I'm down with that oh yeah though. no I'm down for bisexual Skinner <laughs> okay. it's just I just don't Scully would not... Yeah, it is weird, huh? Like, yeah. it was just... I don't know what kind of reality this was, and it was really... It was well, really bizarre. And that, like, plays into the whole question of what of this episode, like, in a historical context, because obviously the Nazis that we're seeing here are very sensationalized Indiana Jones punching Nazis. Wolfen, Wolfenstein Nazis. Yeah, they're Wolfenstein Nazis. <laughs> so, but it's... It, I don't know. What I struggled with in this episode is that it feels like everything is from this, you know, Americanized perspective. Yeah. Americentric perspective where, and it's not, none of it is grounded in reality. The historical aspects aren't grounded in reality. 
and I just really struggled to understand where this episode was coming from and what it was trying to say. Maybe because it was all Mulder's dream, that's why we're having a hard time really reach. I was going to say reaching around it. Yeah. But that's, I mean. Different. Different. Um, I guess that's why Scully was acting the way she was and it seemed abnormal to us because it's Mulder's wet, literal wet dream of Scully like, being protective of her, him, and, like, loving him to a point where she's willing to, like, basically kill Jeffy Spender. Okay, but let me ask you this. Okay. When Chris Carter wrote this episode, when he wrote the line, it's 1998, the world is at peace. Oh, no, not that part. Not that part. I'm talking But I'm, I'm saying, overall, do you think he believes that? Yes. Do you think he, like, when it's this sensationalized Mulder dream... Do you think he's writing it thinking this is a sensationalized Mulder dream? Well, there was no... I think that line, because there was no, like, there was no irony to that line. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a thing that so much... Like, Mulder is a is a talking, kind of a talking point for as, like, Chris Carter, right? Yeah. So that line... It's not sensationalized, like, there, because there was no irony in it. Yeah. But I just, like, like this, Mulder's whole attitude throughout this episode of, like, American exceptionalism. Yeah. Do you think that is a character that Chris is writing, or do you think that is Chris's feelings, his perspective on the world? It would have to be a perspective that he himself has, because it's not part of the kind of humorous kind of... Like, there's no juxta... There's a juxtaposition between this kind of overarching for the char- the characters. Yeah. Like, Scully and the Nazis. They're, they're huge and hyperbolized and overblown. But Mulder himself is not. Right? Yeah. Like, he's the only kind of steady guy who's been... who He's the same character as he has been throughout the series. Who's, like, like ostensibly a fish out of water coming from a yeah. realistic place yeah. into super, so like, Mulder's, sensational... So, Mulder's lines are are grounded in Chris Carter's reality sort of thing. Which, I mean... Which I is think, a bad reality. Exactly. Like, the whole way that, that Americans learn about history is Americentric, and it does not jive with what the reality of those wars it oh, was. Because yeah. one, of, one of the lines that Mulder even says is, like, Americans won the... Don't worry, guys, you know... We're going to win it for you. Oh, you know, oh, don't don't worry about Pearl Harbor. Or talk, they talked about Pearl yeah. Harbor. And those lines were done not in earnest, but, like, I think that's how, that's how American children are taught. Like, yeah. without, without America, World War II would not have ended. Without America, World War I wouldn't have ended. Like, there's still, there's this kind of... American-centric view of history that is still in our textbooks, specifically. Um, And it's still being taught. Like, I taught AP U.S. history for a year, and it was disgusting because it was was American-centric because it was AP U.S. history, but it was also white-centric, and it was also... Its goal was to create heroes, Mm -hmm. which is what most of our North American history is. Like, why are we taught Christopher Columbus discovered America? Because they're so thirsty for these heroes, right? Yeah. And I do discover in, in, in quotation marks. Um, like, 
in North American, well, Canadian and, and American history classes, like, our textbooks are shitty. Yeah. Because the big goal is, well, in order to, for kids to pay attention, we have to create heroes. So I think Mulder's lines aren't hyperbolized, like, funny jokey. I think that's actually what Chris Carter wanted to write and what his audience believed. Exactly. And yeah. that's, like, like this this type of... World War II perspective that we see also in Indiana Jones and in yeah. so many other things. Like, I think there's there's a huge amount of that that has contributed to where we are now with, like, the U.S.'s current growing isolationism. Yeah. This feeling of, like, well, we did you a favor. And, and now we have to be out for ourselves. And it's so funny because that's a it's a cyclical pattern. American isolationism is a cyclical pattern where it's very, very harsh isolationism followed by huge bouts of imperialism Mm -hmm. like it's this weird it's this weird thing that america has gone through throughout its history and it's like because it's so cyclical we don't learn from it because we learn that oh back then we were happier Mm -hmm. either back then when we were isolated we were happier when we had all these tariffs and these walls we were happier or when we were we were heroes because we went out and saved the world yeah uh and in either case, it didn't go well. <laughs> yeah. It's just, like, it's interesting to me how, like, this episode specifically is not only a product of propaganda experienced by Chris Carter as he grew up. Yeah. But then also this episode, because Contributes. the X-Files is held in such a special place for so many people, becomes propaganda for another generation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see, I could see students of American history, like listening to what Mulder says and like, ha ha, yeah, we did save everyone's butts, didn't we? Ha mm-hmm. ha ha ha. <laughs> which is interesting because he also makes a comment about the Russians. Yeah. Um, which like, is hope also... you enjoy the cold. Yeah. So, and then that is conflict anyway. <laughs> okay. I'm just surprised he didn't. Well, I guess the bomb is involved anyway, but anyway. I'm surprised he didn't make a nuclear bomb joke yeah. or a Hiroshima joke or a Nagasaki oh, joke. Oh, God. Okay. Allison, I knew it. I knew Ronald Reagan was a Nazi. Oh, I knew it, too. <laughs> I absolutely knew it. Can we can we comment on uh, uh, an article that someone sent us? Please. So this someone, it was from Twitter, right? Yes. Someone read. Put our was it retweeted? So someone had written an article for I think um, the conservative Am- news. Yes, an Ameri- like American conservative, some conservative news site, um, and then someone else uh, basically like uh, included a bunch of different uh, X Files based accounts. Probably because they a have never heard listened to us before. I'm going to assume, mm-hmm. and b they're like, oh, here's a X Files article. You'll like this. Which we won't. No. Um, and the article, you linked it to me. Yes. And number one, if the news source has the word conservative in it, don't send it to us. Oh, we're not going to like it. And number it. two, if there's Ronald Reagan apologists in, it locate, quotes it located in the article, we're also not going to like it. Uh, not even a little bit. Uh, yeah. The, one of the quotes from the article was, so it was from the American conservative. Uh, and one of the quotes was, Ronald Reagan gave us breathing room, economically and globally. Ronald Reagan was a genocidal ghoul. Yep. And uh, I wish nothing more than to piss on his grave. <laughs> Genocide, f- 
for more than one group yeah, of people. Yeah, for several groups of people. <laughs> including our people, the gays. The gays. But, oh, yeah. So, hey, friends, if you're going to send us Twitter articles, please, like, listen to our podcast first. <laughs> And understand that we don't want your fucking conservative point of view because we hate it and we hate Ronald Reagan and he was a literal Nazi. Yep. As shown in the... Hey. As, as shown, shown in, in this, this episode. In this episode. Okay. Let's... I'm, I'm gonna just fucking push, I will, I push will us say, through. But what, just one comment that Mulder did make about the war, the Second World War, is he does say, don't worry, it has a happy ending. And there is, I cannot even begin. I can't even begin with how it, like, you know, the Holocaust, when we find the Holocaust. Really? Are you kidding me? A really happy, that's like saying that, like, if, if, if the U.S. and North Korea come to a peace agreement, it'll be a happy ending. Oh, yeah. And then we go in and we, like, see. Oops. Oops. All the concentration camps. Exactly. Uh Uh-uh. Oops. How, how is that line written? I don't know. Like, I cannot fucking, well, it's a, it's it's a product of the propaganda. Like, it's unfathomable. And there's no irony in that line, too. There's no irony in that sentence. If you, I mean, if you have an argument for that sentence being ironic, you let me know, but I don't see it. Please let us know. Like, not even just the Holocaust, but, like, the Great Terror and, like, what was going on in China. Like, there was so many fucking, like, internal, like, genocides and great mass killings of people during that time that we're still trying to figure out. Like, we still don't know how many people were killed during the Great Terror. To say, like, any war has a happy ending <laughs> is... Unless no one was killed. Yeah. Unless it was that one war about that one pig on that one Gulf Island. No. You shut your mouth. The pig war? <laughs> that pig died in vain, sir. <laughs> you know you know the story of that one. Yeah. There's just a lot of drunks. <laughs> my favorite st- my favorite part of the pig war is that it got so popular that they started to bring in tourists and to start watching that the American and the British dick waving like to, to like it's like the picnickers during Civil War battles, oh, God, right? God, yeah. Like, it's just, like, people coming in, like, what's going to happen, guys? Oh, oh that them's, pig. You know what? Them's a good war. <laughs> now that's a happy ending. <laughs> Everyone had bacon. Everyone had bacon. <laughs> okay, that is the one war I can get behind. The <laughs> pig war? Dang. Uh, Our poor Pacific Northwest war. Okay. Let's push this to bed. Let's let's push this right out. Um, let's just squeak her out. <laughs> I do want to mention that the one bright spot in terms of accents is um, Scully's transatlantic accent. Oh yeah, it's pretty good. You know that <laughs> accent that the 1940s like actors had. Yeah, it was it, it was, was pretty, pretty good. good. Uh, they kiss though. Oh so. Oh yeah. Well, first, okay, uh, we got to bring Kirsch into this. Do we? Okay. Yeah, we, we do. We gotta at least we mention yeah. this bullshit. Because he's all of our dads. He's, oh, he's, he's the grandest daddy of all. Alvin Kirsch has this energy. <laughs> that BD That I want to get into. But that's a story for another time. So Mulder uh, gets taken down to the, the I want to say steam room, but that's yeah. not what it's called. Yeah. Might as well be. <laughs> the steam um, room. The boiler room? The steamer room? 
No, that's something else. Uh, and we see that all of the people that work on this ship in the the boiler room, I guess is what you would call it. Yeah. Um, are all Jamaican. Yeah. Uh, or from the yeah that area, and and one of or them Haitian. Or, yeah. Or yeah. That's usually what happened in British ships. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and the the British men all call them Swabo, which I feel like Chris Gardner maybe wanted to put a, a racial epithet in there and was not allowed to. But you know, when you replace a ra- racial racially charged word with a fake one, it still it racially still means <laughs> the same thing. So that sucked. Uh, and then um, one of the men working down there is the the cursed analog played yeah. by the same character, uh, James Pickens Jr., or played by the same actor. And uh, he is the one that Mulder has to convince to turn the ship around. Yeah. Because they... And did he turn the ship around? I guess. Eventually. Well, yeah, but it wasn't because he... It wasn't because Mulder talked to Kirsch that in the end the quote-unquote ship was turned around. Yeah. It was because he told Scully... 1940 oh, Scully, yeah, 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 yeah. that she had to get them to turn the ship around. So it yeah. had really nothing to do with Kirsch. Dang. Um, anyways, Mulder and Scully, 1940 Scully, are running around, and then he kisses her. Yeah. Re- in case He says, in case I never see you again. And then she punches she him. Punched him. He said, I was expecting a left. <sighs> and, um... Cool. Just, like, great, great that the one time... Or that when we see Mulder and Scully kiss, like, this is ostensibly, I guess, quote-unquote, their first kiss. It's non-consensual? It's non-consensual, and the real Scully has absolutely no agency in it whatsoever. Nope. Scully, like, already has no agency in this love story. None. She's not even consenting to the fact that it's happening. Anyway, Mulder goes overboard. Yeah. He falls in the water. Um, Also, meanwhile, as Mulder is running around on the ship, Scully and the, the lone gunman are running around on the... The, the ghost ship version. Yes. That's, I don't even understand how this I works. I don't understand how it works. Um, but can I back up? Before Mulder jumps uh, out, there is a ballroom scene. Yes. And it's they're trying to find the whole big purpose. I don't even know if we mentioned it. Um, the whole big purpose of this one was the Nazis are trying to find the, the scientists oh, yeah. who can Thor's make a, n- a nuclear bomb. And... The Nazis accidentally shoot a guy, and Mulder says, that's the guy. That wasn't an accident. They shot him on purpose. Yeah. You said accidentally. Well, accidentally shot a man, but then it turned out to be a scientist. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, there's a kerfuffle. Mm -hmm. And the band starts playing, and it's swing music. Uh Uh-huh. And I am hoping, my God am I hoping, for a big dance number a la the mask. Oh my god. Vince is just punching. Please. <laughs> it was never given to me. No. But they all, they all just started punching each other. M- Mulder and 1940s Scully escape with, with the, the help, help of, of Nazi Skinner. Nazi Skinner, who's apparently like an American sympathizer? I don't... Or a spy. Uh, uh, it's rude. I was okay with his German accent. <laughs> well, no, here's the thing. Okay. What? Skinner or um Nazi Skinner. Mitch. Oh yeah. Uh, Mitch was the only guy on this crew that actually spoke German. And he rewrote a bunch of his lines so that they actually made sense. I didn't know that. Um the guy that plays Smoking Man, uh he didn't know that he was gonna have to speak German for the whole episode yeah. and he had to remember his lines phonetically. Oh no. Oh no. Um 
I had, shows. I had a question. Yeah. Did did you have subtitles on the German part? No. Okay, I didn't either. Is that, do you think that was... Intentional? Intentional. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Because I was very confused. So Mulder wakes up in a hospital bed. Yep. And, um, It was all a dream. It was all a dream. And you were there, and you were there. And oops, I went cummies in the night. <laughs> Allison, you can't say gummy. <laughs> I'm not. That's one of our banned words, I think. I don't remember that. I want I want it to be so bad. Allison, no. This is wet dream. No. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Oh. Uh, so it was all a dream. And Scully's there, and she's like, you silly willy. You're uh, so silly. And then they're like, how did I get here? And they're like, well, it's a Toto, Africa. Letting the days uh, Bless the by. rains down. Wait, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's read this fucker. Oh, wait. We what? did. Mulder what? says to Skelly. What? I love you, Skelly. It's so romantic. <laughs> Is it? No. no. Okay. Irene on a spooky scale. One is, I'm going to take a nap. Five is, I'll never sleep at night. I'm going to give this a point zero three. Cool. Because I will forget about this episode. When I said I wanted Nazis in an episode, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> really. I wanted Nazis, not a deep dive into... Fucking why the world Ameri- is the shit way it is. American, like, fucking historical propaganda. Anyway, go on. Uh, I rate on a rage scale. It goes from one, which means, hey, great app, guys. Loved it. To uh, My Struggle 3, the worst episode we've watched today. I'm giving this one a twosies. I'm taking a big... No, 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 that's good. Oh. Yeah, two is good. Yeah, okay, good. I'm giving it an eight. I got really confused there. (laughs) I was. How is numbers work? I was. When you said two, I'm like, we've given two episodes a number two. I like I thought you just had a I just, a, 180 degree turn. Like, I actually really I like love this. It. <laughs> no, I give it an eight. Uh, forget um, the genocides. I love it. <laughs> now I do want to make a, a film recommendation. Okay. If you watch this and you thought, hey, one long shot, that's a really cool technique. And I would like to see more of that. Yeah. I'm interested in this cinematography. I have one, too. I suggest that you watch the Russian film, Russian Ark. Oh, that's a it good one. It is a film that the entire film, I think it's about 120 minutes, maybe longer, was all shot in one long take in the Winter Palace. Um, and it basically is just like going through the ages of Russian history in the Winter Palace. And it's fascinating. There are, like, a number of giant dance sequences that the cameraman had to walk through. I think they only did three takes um, because this is, it's a 120-minute film where one man is wearing a camera and walking through all these scenes that are happening around him. Um, It's really beautiful and really fascinating to watch. Uh, I was going to recommend Children of Men. Oh, yeah. Because Children of Men has one of the, like... Okay, Hitchcock and 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 there are some like really classic one mm-hmm. takes, but Children of Men have one of the most effective one take shots I've ever seen. Um, so yeah, that's a good one too. 
nice. Yeah. Watch some uh, watch some movies. Watch some movies. Watch some good movies. Allison, I have a personalized pile for Yay. you. Yay. And you're going to love this. I hope so. Come and tell us, dude, about the spooky thing that happened to you. Because we'll never tell you that we don't believe you. Unless we get abducted, we will never leave you. We want to hear about your personal X-File. Allison, when they talked about the Queen Anne, I got that mixed up with another famous ship, mm-hmm. um, the RMS Queen Mary. Ooh. Do you know about the Queen Mary? Not really. The Queen Mary is now at dock. On the in California, I believe uh, San Diego. I probably am wrong. Who cares? Uh, but it is famous because of its go 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 ghosts. Ghosts. There are many ghosts in the RMS Queen Mary, but I'm going to tell you about its famous ghost cat. Ghost cat. <laughs> ghost cat. It has a ghost cat. It does a little ghost meow. Allison. It there does are a little ghost meow. pictures, what? and there are videos of this ghost cat. Ghost cat. So this it comes to us from spiritedqueenmary.com, the only place I get my Queen Mary's ghost news. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is by Nicole Strickland, and it's called the Ghost Cat's a Meow. <laughs> Uh, this dressing room of the former first and third class pool is home to another spirit, the furry and purry kind. Mm. A cat, of course. I love this writing, by the way. Back in the ship's sailing days, it was not uncommon to have livestock aboard the ship, among them cats and dogs. Who would think that the spirit of a kitty would reside in the dressing stall area? Let me tell you, folks, there's most certainly a talkative and cute little kitty wandering these halls. It is said that this particular cat is the feline being of one of the former crew members. Lately, many people, including myself, have experienced with this cute little bundle of ghost joy. Uh, On one of my guest appearances on Matt's late night uh, paranormal tours aboard the Queen Mary, the group was settling down to collect an EVP session in the dressing room era. I was standing towards the entrance, and Matt starts leading the EVP session. One of the female guests says something. Something has touched my foot. Almost immediately after, I interject. Wait, did anyone hear that? I thought I just heard a meow. Matt, Matt starts answering my question by saying, I heard that. Stunned the group, quiets down to see if there was any more disemboweled meows. No more for this night, but more to come at a later time, the following week, just to be exact. I was faintly able to catch capture this meow on my recorder, so I played it back to the guests, and surprisingly, most people heard it. So she actually links um, the audio capture. Um, Courtney, do you think do you think it drinks ghost milk? Yes. Do you think it has ghost whiskers? No. Do you think it has a little ghost tail? Yes. Do you think it has little ghosty toe beams? <laughs> <laughs> no, you, it's, it's not. It's non corporeal. No, non And I was standing down this way, and all of a sudden I heard a like that. And she had her headphones on recording. She said, "Oh my God, I think I just heard a, a meow." I said, "Oh yeah, I heard it too." And so she had it recorded. So she's gonna get it to me. Did who, you hear that? Who did that? I heard it. I just heard the voice. <gasps> did you hear that, Allison? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that'll work out. Anyway, it's a meow. 
Courtney, I have a really important question okay. um, that you've raised. When a furry passes away, a, f- a furry is their ghost. Does their ghost appear in a fur suit? That's a good question. Because some people think that your ghost is like dressed in what you last die in. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's, I believe that your ghost, since it's a ghost, it's just going to be dressed in like the clothing that it wants to represent itself Exactly, in. exactly. So yeah, I would say a furry, if they're really like... If they feel the most comfortable in a fursuit, I would say they would be a ghost in a fursuit. I'm, I think that's great. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just a big cartoon wolf? Just, like, walking around. <laughs> it's haunting people. This is not an indictment of furries. No. It's just a hilarious image. <laughs> it's cute. It's just fun to think about. Okay. Um, that's the end of the ghost cat. Uh-huh. There's a ghost cat, and that the end. <laughs> And that's the end of that tale. Wink. I'm going to shut this podcast down. (laughs) No, don't turn it around. Okay. What else do we do? What else do we do? We have to predict. Okay, let's predict. It's your turn to predict. No, it's your turn to predict. Ah, damn. Anything could happen based on a name. Anything could happen when you're playing the prediction game. Tell me. Allison. What's it gonna be? A way to dredge up all of your childhood anxiety. Before we predict, I do want to solve some things. I did predict Nazis. I know I predicted Nazis. Yeah. So I get a half point. You get a half point. I don't know what the other thing I predicted was. Did I say Bermuda Triangle? No. Uh, I think you said time travel. Oh, did I? Do I, I get a I full point? I get a full point for this yeah. one. So you're at one, I'm at zero. Okay, well, zero. You're going to get it to <sighs> oh, be a hero. Fruit. Hey, you're going to be a hero. Yay. Uh, season six, episode four, Dreamland. Dreamland. Well, I think they go into somebody's dreams. I think someone is a, has a power to do something in their dreams that affects reality. But didn't we already have a dream one? Well, I think there's another one. Oh, boy. Okay, give me a half point. Uh, I get a half point if there's um if we see uh dream sequences. Okay. Um, and another half point if someone's affecting the reality with their subconscious. Okay. Um, are we gonna remember those two points? No, no. I'll try my best. Okay. Uh, also, Dreamland is the name of a really interesting book about the American opioid epidemic. So check that out. Maybe that's what it's about. Doubt it. Okay. <laughs> Allison, how can the Space Cadets connect to us if they uh, want to send us really good articles and not conservative articles from conservative news outlets? You can find us um, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Double X Files. That's double spelled out. D-O-U-B-L-E. You can find us on Tumblr at Fuck Yeah, Double X Files. You can email us even at double x podcast at gmail.com and as always we are part of the wonderful major cast network who we love very much yes i like this podcast i'm tom lockney and i'm liam senior i really like video games and internet culture and i like movies and tv and every week we research a true story from our preferred mediums and tell it to the other person it's super fun and it's great and even when it gets a little intense we find the laughs in it damn it lots of learning lots of laughter sometimes bummers but lots of friendship media majors 
every Monday on the Major Cast Network. Wow. Done? Are we done? We're done. We did the ding dang thing. This one was a tough one. Yeah, we had to think a lot about, like, our world and existence and, like, how it's a bad place and a bad thing to be doing existing, so... Do you want to just eat a bunch of yam fries? Hell yeah! Okay, until next time, the truth, truth is out there. there. I'm going to bake up those yam fries I'm so good. eat those yam fries so good! <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.